You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to TFM's local watering hole and definitely excited to be here coming at you from Cato Nemoidia, which is uh, always a surprise. Uh, It is quite foggy here today, but I'm excited because we are going to illuminate the truth today. And I have with me to do that is none other than William Devereaux. Hey, thanks for having me on, Matt. This is fun. Always good to chat with you. I know. It's been way too long and... Uh, well, uh, it's no surprise that Star Wars would bring us back together again as uh, this week we're going to be diving into a brand new Star Wars book uh, with uh, the amazing character work from um, Mike Chen. I hope I didn't give anything away there, but uh, we're going to be talking about <laughs> Obi-Wan and Anakin and their brotherhood, um, which uh, I cannot wait to dive into with you. But before we do that, quick reminder for everybody, of course... You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate you listening. Uh, if you're on a place like you know Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can review or rate us, which would be fantastic. Uh, you can also uh, find us on places like Twitter at the 602 Club. We're on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trackfm with the entire network. There's a listeners-only discussion group you can join there uh, with uh, people from all over the world and talk about the shows that we've got going on. And, of course, you can find us online at track.fm as well, and they've got all the shows there. I've got so much happening for you, so we hope that you will enjoy checking out everything we're doing. And if you do like all the shows, and of course you want to make sure that all that keeps coming to you, you want to go to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can be part of the team. Uh, There's no way uh, with everything that we're doing here we can do it alone. And so go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and join us and help us make sure all of these shows keep coming to you. So... One of the interesting things about this uh, is that this book, William, takes place following Geonosis, but before the Clone Wars begins, in the sense of the TV show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you, uh, as we got started setting up this book, and having that as our foundation of where we're going to be, timeline-wise, how did you feel about that? Because, you know, I... The, the movie and the TV show don't make it feel like there is too much time that happens between episode two and when the show begins. And so did you feel like this was a, a, a nice place to be able to play? And do you feel like it it fit well within the timeline that we already have? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, as we as we know, you know, from the uh, from the, you know, pr- the prequel era, they can cram a lot of stories into yeah, uh, into, the, into three years, uh, even yes, though, can. you know, like we have a TV show. We had, you know, countless books and comics, you know, during the that are, you know, now legends. Um, you know, they really they really packed a lot into there. And and so I never really taken it as a literal. Oh, 
mm-hmm. and really tried to map it out and say, okay, did, does this exactly fit in the you know right. in the three years? Um, but I just I really I was surprised by uh, by the setting because it allowed us mm-hmm. to get some new introductions and character moments um, and really kind of dig into the early days of Anakin as a, mm-hmm. as a Jedi Knight now. Yes. Um, and so it's, it's a really, I really enjoyed the setting, you know, and it, it probably was one of the very first missions after, uh, mm-hmm. after yeah. Geonosis. Uh, clearly they've had that, uh, uh, you know, how many times they've saved each other thing going on since the mm-hmm. very beginning yes. <laughs> with the asterisk. Yes. Uh, that, doesn't count that part on Kate and Monia, that, that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't count. count. I'll see you at the briefing. Exactly. So, uh, but no, I, I guess I didn't, I didn't mind it. What about you? I thought that this was a really genius move on their part because, um, one of the things that for the timeline, we know that of course, uh, Anakin after Geonosis is made a Jedi Knight mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan is raised to the level of Jedi master sitting on the council. And that's definitely something that happened and, you know, has happened by the time we get into the Clone War series. Um, even the movie is not the original start of the Clone War series. If, you know, chronologically, there's episodes before that with like Cat and Mouse and mm-hmm. all the things that are leading up to Christophsis. So we know that there are actually stories that take place before that. So I thought that um, this actually worked uh, to their benefit that there were a couple things that we didn't actually see in the Clone Wars series, and this fills in those gaps. So this is legitimately right, right after Geonosis, the aftermath of that. And, right. of course, um, we're showing, like you said, Anakin's first mission as a Jedi Knight, as well as Obi-Wan Kenobi's first mission as a Jedi Master on the Council. Mm-hmm. And... Um, how their brotherhood, their is relationship is impacted. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's what I loved about this book. The characterization mm-hmm. of those characters was phenomenal. Some of the best Anakin and Obi-Wan characterization I've read. Yes. I mean, it legitimately felt like we were in an episode of the Clone Wars because mm-hmm. of how good the relationship work was. Now, one of the things that I, I wanted to to get into you with and I thought was really interesting um, before we talked specifically just about Obi-Wan and Anakin was that one of the things that this allowed us to do, unlike Queen's Hope, which I am going to throw under the bus here, um, this book actually gives us the opportunity to explore the early relationship between Anakin and Mm. Padme Mm -hmm. in a way that has never been done before to kind of see what those very early days of them being married are like and to really solidify what that relationship is and kind of give us a reason in fact, uh, there's a there's a lovely description of their differences on page 33 of of the physical book, where it talks about how they work together and why they work together. Mm-hmm. The fact that Anakin is all passion and Padme is all planning, and you put those two things together, and it, it creates. Um, something that works well together. And so that was one of the things that really stuck out to me in this book because it helped uh, me as a fan understand what that early relationship was like and how not necessarily terrible it was for either of them. Like this is something that 
feels like it works really, really well. And they're uh, kind of figuring one another out and what their relationship is going to look like now, especially since their whole lives have turned upside down because of the war that's raging across the galaxy. Oh, I I couldn't agree more. I, I think, and this is true throughout the entire book. Mike Chen, this is his first Star Wars novel. He had uh, uh, one short and from a certain point of view, um, or The Empire Strikes Back, um, the second uh, anthology book. But um, this is his first full Star Wars novel. And you can tell he truly understands the characters and really wants to address uh, and, and kind of explain, not in an over, not overly much, but, you know, it kind of, like you said, answer those why do Anakin and, and, and Padme work? Why are they together? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he does a phenomenal job of of doing that, truly understanding why these characters are the way they are, how they mm-hmm. think, and then writing such compelling uh, uh, moments of uh, between Anakin, Padme, you know, uh, Anakin, and and Obi Wan, um, and even the other characters as well. And that's why I just I loved mm-hmm. about this book is it's just so well written and yep. there there are times i think where he goes a, a little bit into fan service you know or like maybe there's times where i started to feel wow is he over explaining some of the things that we like you mm-hmm. know the the sand moments for example oh, but yeah. i also laughed at that moment you know too like it was like a a, a love hate thing there uh, mm-hmm. like ah, you know right um but no but i think uh i i just I really enjoyed Anakin and, and Padme's relationship and seeing how they would mm-hmm. have to, you know, sneak away and go on different dates. And they each organize different types of dates that they were interested yep. in. Yep. And, you know, um, it was just very well done. Well, and on top of that, too, I think one of the things that Mike is able to do as well is that he's able to show the fact that Obi-Wan is not an idiot and is yes. already immediately I uh, love that. seeing he knows there from is, the beginning, but yeah. he thinks, well, like me with Satine, yep. I will, you know, Anakin will make the right decision. He just has to grow mm-hmm. through this. And yep. he's not blind. He sees everything. Yep. He just. And he can believes, feel it too. He can right. feel the way in which Anakin's response anytime right. he sees Padme, the response of both of them to one yes, another. I the love way, that. He, he's picking yes. up all the subtle signals, like how they're interacting. He sees it all. He notices it. He, he even starts to talk to Anakin on a couple mm-hmm. occasions and mm-hmm. for you know various reasons is never able to. And it's always like one of those. Oh, if only he'd been able to have that conversation wasn't interrupted mm-hmm. or whatever. Could things been different? Maybe who knows? Um, well, and and yeah. I, I think it's a great question, but I also think you're absolutely right because there's that point at the end of the book, and Sistine is seen a few times in this, mm-hmm. and the fact that she's on the hollow net and proclaiming Mandalore's neutrality, and the fact that they want more systems to join them, which is a, a part of the kind of political part of the story here, but. It reflects on Obi-Wan and the fact that bringing back to his mind, mm-hmm. Dex even brings it back to his mind. Yes. The idea that Satine and him had this dalliance back in the day. And Obi-Wan remembers the fact that he could have left the Order, that they could have been a comp- I mean, where would they be right now mm-hmm. if he had left the Order, yeah. she had left the royalty, and you know, neither of them were in the places that they needed to be. And so therefore... Obi-Wan does, like you said, he thinks in his mind. 
Anakin and Padme will come through this situation just like Satine and I did. As, as we've all kind of pieced together from the Clone Wars and everything else, we've all thought that, I think, that that's what Obi-Wan's thought process was and why he never really confronts Anakin about this. Because he thinks, look, it took us a while to find our footing and to find our place. Anakin and, uh, and Padme will do the exact same thing. And therefore, he doesn't necessarily feel the need to talk to Anakin right away um and of course that leads to all the things that we end up seeing but again their relationship has really given uh front and center for for this book in in really interesting ways and i think it's a really helpful as we move into the clone war series because i think it gives us a good foundation for why this couple is together why they love each Mm other and um you know it gives us an opportunity to, I think, be more comfortable with them even being together so that as things do kind of begin to fall apart, they had a firmer foundation when they began. Uh, and uh, they clearly love one another in a way that is evident to more than just themselves. You know, it's clearly evident to, to Obi-Wan. And so I, I really appreciated that. I, I I totally agree. It was, and just the fact that we got more on Obi-Wan and Satine's relationship and uh, I just, yeah, it was, it was, mm-hmm. and I, I guess I can't, I can't praise the, the characterization enough uh, in this, yep. in this yep. book. Also, can we talk for a minute about how awesome Dexter Jester is. I've always loved Dex <laughs> and <laughs> getting so much more Dex content fantastic <laughs> yes well and and what i loved about that is that we've already seen the fact that obi-wan relies on him uh very much in information uh mm-hmm. and in the flow of information and having access to information that uh is quicker faster and maybe sometimes more reliable than what you might get at the mm-hmm. jedi temple and the jedi archives and uh, the type of information that he's sending to Dex to get verified, he needs it done quickly and he needs it done um, in a way that uh, is under the table at this point, too. You know, so, yes, I-, I love that whole relationship. I also love the end with Anakin being like, you should take me out to Dex's for lunch. <laughs> right. and, and, well, I haven't been there in a long time. You know, so you have this. This relationship between these characters uh, where Obi-Wan is influencing Anakin and the things he likes to do when they're on Coruscant together and the type of friends that he keeps, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really interesting. And just having Dex there is such a great tie because this, again, it takes place right after Geonosis Mm -hmm. and Dex was a big part of Obi-Wan discovering what was going on on Kamino and this also i think helps follow up a little bit episode two yeah this is basically almost like its sequel uh in a way that uh really kind of brings to close some of those storylines so that we're setting the stage for what's going to come in the clone wars and i think the deck story actually really helps with that yeah i agree what did um so we talked a little bit about you know anakin and padme but Anakin himself is now a Jedi Knight, fully fledged Jedi Knight. And 
What did you think of the storyline that Chen created here for his first missions as a Jedi Knight um, and what those meant for him and kind of reflected on him on who he's going to become? And also um, just uh, how they were completely out of his comfort zone in many ways. Yeah. You know, I was surprised because going into this book, it's called Brotherhood. I was assuming it was just going to be a a classic Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know, together the whole time mission. Uh, and as it, as it turns out, um, the, as it turns out, the, they're not together the, the whole time. They spend a large portion of the book separately. And that really makes it more of a challenge for Anakin in, in many ways, because he's, you know, he's off on his own, uh, Obi-Wan is off on his own. Obi-Wan's trying to go, you know, figure out, did the Republic cause this bombing that the Separatists, someone else, you know, Anakin is, uh, back home in many ways, uh, for, for uh, quite a bit. Um, and off on him, his, his own adventures kind of trying to help Obi-Wan from afar. Um, but it challenges Anakin in, and it makes him kind of learn to, be on his own because really is the first time he's mm-hmm. been on his own. I mean, I'm sure there were occasions when, you know, as an apprentice, he was not by Obi-Wan's side, but this is the first time where now he's in control. He's being viewed differently by the clones, by, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's, he's now a commander. He's not just a, a an apprentice um, or general, actually, not just a, a, an apprentice. And we start to see how his relationship Sorry, with Mill, sorry, with with Mill Albeth, uh, Albeth is is kind of laying the groundwork for mm-hmm. him to become a master and, and train Ahsoka in the future. But he's kind of learning. He still does. He doesn't want to be a master. Even at the end of this, he doesn't want to be. But he's learning right. those skills and learning how to help this this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting that. One of the things that we challenge Anakin with from the beginning is teaching. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, and, yeah, because he's, he's with all the, the, the Padawans exactly. and the and younglings, I mean. and He's trying yeah. to give them the wisdom that he learned on his journey to becoming a uh, Jedi Knight, which is not something that he's comfortable with. Uh, you know, he's he's absolutely comfortable with, you know, showing people uh, lightsaber technique mm-hmm. when, when it comes to in-depth discussion about the esoteric nature of the force and the things that he's learned in his journey to becoming a Jedi Knight. That's not something he's really comfortable with. And so what we get here is a very interesting look through Anakin's relationship with Mill Albeth, where he's confronted with basically somebody who was like him right. coming into the order, who um, feels different, uh, feels the force differently than most Jedi, mm-hmm. and is not sure if she wants to be in the order uh, because of the fact that everything is moving towards at a rapid pace more violence and violence through the force to her makes her sick right and so we kind of come to this place where we have this kid who is unique 
different uh, and somewhat special, much like Anakin was when he came, and isn't sure whether or not the decision that they've made to be at the temple is the right one. And so Anakin is is forced in many ways to help this kid figure out whether or not this is going to be the right place for them and be okay if they choose not to be there, which is fascinating because obviously we know what's going to happen with Ahsoka and his uh, frustration and the fact that she's going to leave the order and leave him, he feels like. And here, he makes a completely different choice, and it's a really interesting setup for everything that's going to happen. And Anakin walking through this without necessarily the help of Obi-Wan right by his side, the the way he did with Ahsoka, also makes this very different. And so, and he learns to trust her in a way that allows her to make her own decision at the end. And for him to say to even Yoda, she deserves to be able to make the decision. I've I've learned to trust her instincts, and we should trust what she says in a way that, of course, he doesn't ever do with anybody else. And so, and it's really, really interesting to see Anakin go through this because it also then is going to reinforce his habit of holding on to things and thinking mm-hmm. he can change everything. Yep. Yeah, and that's that's his biggest flaw. He thinks he thinks he can change things by himself and hold on to things and make everything all right and in the process mm-hmm. he he does not <laughs> as we right. all as we well know. Well, because on top of what we see there, his mother had told him a story about the sun dragon. Mm-hmm. That was at the heart of the Tatooine star, which could hold on to everything it loved and keep it safe because of how much it cared, which if that doesn't make sense as to why Anakin is who he is. I don't know what does. Exactly. I don't know. What, exactly. <laughs> so what did you think about that? Because at the end of the book, Mill tells him you don't always have to be the sun dragon. And right. yet. He doesn't learn that lesson. He does not learn that lesson. Yeah. And so how you listen to Mill. Yep. Yep. Things might have been different. Well, not only if he had listened to her, but if his actions had been like they Mm -hmm. were in taking care of her and helping to to teach her in many ways, like it's not an official Padawan master relationship. Right. How he deals with her as basically a Padawan and gives her the choice to make, and then allows her to live that choice out, um, even if it's not exactly what he would choose for her, mm-hmm. he lets her go. What's fascinating is is that as the as the representation of the sun dragon for himself, he can't let anything else go. He right. won't let Obi-Wan go. He won't let uh, Padme go. He won't let the Order go. He won't let uh, Palpatine go. He won't let anything else go. He thinks he can protect it all if he just cares enough. And it goes to show why this character is going to fall apart in the end because his cares are going to become so divided that he can't right. actually hold on to everything. Exactly. Exactly. And then I, and again, that's where the characterization is just so well done. I feel like Mike Chen may know these characters 
better than almost any other Star Wars author, uh, you know, uh, and he, he really does. And what's great about, you know, we, of course, Dave Filoni knows this, George, of course, knows this, but, um, you know, in the Clone Wars, you can't, you can't really spend as much time getting into Anakin's head and into his, his thought right. process. And it's just not something you can do in a television series. And absolutely. This yeah. book is able to do that and really mm-hmm. uh, break down why Anakin thinks the way he thinks, even showing, as you said, the fact that, you know, it was something his, about the, the tale about the sun dragon. That's something his mom told him all the time mm-hmm. that dramatically shaped the rest of his life yep. in ways she and he could never have imagined and really influenced how he sees the world and how he, mm-hmm. how he holds on to things uh, to, uh, to such an extent. Yeah, with- no, a hundred percent. And I think um, it is n- a nice explanation finally of, to the inner working of Anakin Skywalker's heart and why it is that he goes down the path that mm-hmm. he does. And I think Mike created a, a really good story that connects with all of the things we know about him from what happened with his mother, what happened with Qui-Gon and his relationship with Obi-Wan and, of course, Padme and Palpatine. You take all of these relationships and you put them in a blender with that story as the foundation of who he is as a person. Right. And it absolutely creates the uh, the ability for heart suicide, you know, like he he's not going to be able to hold all of these things in his heart the way that he wants to because they're all going to be divergent loves and you 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 can't deal with each one and hold on to each one um the same way or you're going to be pulled apart you're going to be ripped apart mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happens to Anakin in the end is he's just ripped apart uh, and it's it's a difficult story, but the the setup here I think is fantastic. So, yeah, we haven't talked a lot about what actually happened that's leading Obi Wan on this mission. Much like you know, uh, in Episode Two, he's on another fact finding mission. He's on another detective mission. So, what did you think of the story of the? neutral world of Cato Nemordia being attacked and the fact that the information that they're getting at the beginning points to the Republic being involved. And before we know any of the information of whether that's true or not, that Dooku starts getting on the airwaves pointing fingers at the, um, the Republic and using this kind of fake news type of mentality to push the Republic into actions it might not be wanting to take in the first place. It's, it's classic Dooku, you know, it is, uh, and that's, I think what I loved about it is, you know, you have this neutral world that is all of a sudden bombed. And then the Republic is basically framed. And, you know, I mean, I feel like anyone, really paying attention should have no- realized 
Dooku's he's reacting a little too too quickly and like oh we're, we couldn't couldn't be us I we we promise see uh, and and yeah we promise you know, <laughs> like we promise it wasn't <laughs> us the Republic hasn't said anything look at the evidence ooh you know like it's a little bit suspicious and I I, I kind of wish the Kinnanomodian uh, government had paid a little closer attention to that um, but you know it is a classic Dooku move. And it creates this very interesting dynamic where Obi-Wan is forced to, to consider, could it have been someone? Of course, the Republic would never officially authorize this, but could it have been, you know, someone uh, uh, on the Republic side who, who could have done this? Could it have been? And, and I think for the reader, we also wonder, is it Palpatine? Could Palpatine have ordered someone in the Republic to commit this act in order to throw the galaxy into more chaos. And so it's really interesting. And the whole time, you know, Obi-Wan, because he's Obi-Wan, and I also I, I love Detective Obi-Wan. It's great. Um, he he tries to make sure he does the investigation honorably and honestly and make sure that, you know, if it is the Republic, he needs to be dead certain before that's revealed. But... You know, he's willing to consider that if 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 that's where the evidence points and that's what he discovers. And it creates this really great dynamic where he's kind of forced to think, could it have been the Republic? Um, now, it turns out it's 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 not, um, uh, of course, we all we all suspected. Right. But um, it. It definitely puts Obi-Wan in an interesting position where he's supposed to keep the peace and actually also prove how he is the negotiator, how he gets that that nickname that he has in Revenge of the Sith. And actually Kenobi, Anakin, the Anakin you know, exactly, exactly. We see Anakin's, you know, the hero of no fear uh, uh, nickname kind of come about as well. But, you know, it, it's... Uh, it does kind of show how, how why he gained this status and this... this um, why this reputation mm-hmm. as a negotiator and it's a great dynamic and the fact that we are also getting introduced to Asajj Ventress for the yeah. first time yep. as well as, as as this mysterious person mm-hmm. who comes in mm-hmm. and is uh, uh kind of from the representing the the separatist army trying to yes. make sure that the that the investigation is handled fairly mm-hmm. of course it's not fair but I loved it I guess I loved it yeah, one of the things that I thought was uh, really well done with the storyline here as Obi-Wan is trying to figure it out is the whole question of who did this and why. And the fact that Dooku jumps on the airwaves immediately and forces the Republic into a position, which is that that they will not be sending the Chancellor which if they sent the Chancellor to Kata Nemoidia, that would require tons of security and would basically look like an invasion force. So Obi-Wan's idea then is to nix all of that and to go himself. And again, Dooku forces them into making it only Obi-Wan. He can't contact the Council. He Mm -hmm. can't contact anyone outside. He's completely on his own, so we're going to isolate him. And Dooku is speaking to everyone on the hollow net by and accusing and putting the accusations out there before we know anything. And this is Mm -hmm. where a big part of the story comes in, which is 
Obi-Wan finding out information to which he doesn't actually have full context to and understanding that facts without context mean nothing. Yeah. They can be just as false as if you had false Mm -hmm. facts. And because of his desire then to put those facts in context to rightly understand the truth of the situation, that's what really gets him into a lot of trouble because Asajj Ventress is, of course, on the other side, twisting all of those facts um, and trying to use them to put Obi-Wan and the Republic in a really bad light. And what we we do come down to, like you said— the Republic itself is not responsible. What we find is that a faction of the Republic, a faction of the separatist movement, have gotten together and conspired together to make it look like either side is a part of this. And in doing so, have put the separatists and the Republic on their heels um, and made it look like they've they've both been a part of attacking this world that is neutral mm-hmm. and in doing so ensure that the war is not going to de-escalate but it's going to escalate why because there are these extreme factions on either side making sure that that happens and threatening worlds that are desiring to be neutral um and instead of Ensuring their neutrality, ensuring that they're closer to getting into the war on one side or the other. And so this is such a dangerous game that's being played. It's a, it's a huge political power move. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can absolutely see like kind of what you said. We know somewhere along the line that these factions are all being pulled by the same strings. We just can't see the fact or, and we can't really piece together that fact just yet. But we know from everything we know from the Clone Wars series and from Episode 3, that's exactly what's happening. But it's not, it's as clear as mud right now. And therefore, nobody can, I mean, even reading this book, you don't really have that picture um, the same way you will later on. Which, it just makes for such a fascinating read. And again really helps with the fact that we just followed up episode two. So again, the Mm -hmm. picture is very, very unclear right now. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, What did you think of, of Asajj Ventress and her, her introduction in this, in this book? We've seen her introduction in the Mm -hmm. Clone Wars micro series, of course, Mm -hmm. but uh, this is the first time. Yeah. And it was interesting because as I was reading, I realized, Oh yeah, I guess. I guess we never really did officially see when they met mm-hmm. kind of assumed in the Clone yeah. Wars, but yeah, we thought it was yeah. in cat and mouse, yeah. I believe, or the episode right after that, where they're on, um, the planet, and, right. um, they're on Christophsis and they, they, they meet in, but uh, they never actually like exchange introductions no, or anything. And no. so it's just the first time we see them, you know, and, it's yeah, it was uh I was like, huh. I never thought about that, but I guess I guess you're right. I thought it was a good introduction to the fact of how she meets Anakin and Obi-Wan for the first time. And here she comes off much more as a political operative than mm-hmm. she does anything else. Um 
And she's the one who is speaking into the ears of the extremists, specifically here on Canaanimoidea, and inflaming their hearts towards more extremism. Um, and so her relationship with Qatar and the way in which yep. uh, she is uh, ruining that relationship between Rug and Qatar and the way in which she basically plays the Palpatine to Qatar the same way that Palpatine plays to Anakin right? and Obi-Wan's relationship. There's a mirroring that's going on between Rug and Qatar with Anakin and Obi-Wan and the outside influences that that affect that relationship. Mm -hmm. And we see a microcosm of that here. So she's the one who is uh, telling him that, of course, the Republic hates them. She's using all of the um, the racist language that she possibly can. She's inflaming that in Qatar, making him believe that everyone in the Republic sees them nothing more than tools of the Trade Federation, see them nothing more than tools in the first place, and yep. therefore— the only way that they're going to be shown any respect is if they throw off the shackles of the Republic completely and basically join the separatists because the separatists would never do that. And so there's this really complicated relationship happening between Asajj and Qatar. Um, and she's working behind the scenes, of course, as well to undermine Obi-Wan at every point. And so right. she comes off, I think, here as being really shrewd. Mm -hmm. as a character and i think it really adds a lot to her characterization here that early on she is much more than just an enforcer she's somebody here who's doing the bidding of her master dooku as right uh, in, in a way that is much more underhanded and devious than anything we really see her do later on in many ways i couldn't agree more and i just you know, I also just loved how we, when she's introduced at first, she is, they don't even say her name for a very long time. You know, they kind of make you wonder. And I, I instantly had a feeling, I, I think this is, this has got to be a Saj Ventress. Um, but yeah, she is, she's continually playing the neutral. Oh, I'm just here to make sure the Republic doesn't cheat and, you know, and, mm -hmm. and everything uh, yet behind the scenes. She's wrecking so much havoc. She's planting evidence. She's, you know, really trying to make sure the separatists get away with, mm -hmm. with it. And it's, it's, it's a great dynamic and it's pure Asajj Ventress. Yeah, I think it really works for the story and it, it gives us uh, an opportunity to uh, be introduced to the character for the first time, uh, especially if this may be somebody's first introduction because of the book to her. I think it's a mm -hmm. great introduction. And just how dangerous that she is, uh, because in the end, too, she's not only willing to play all the sides, but here we see her as being willing to take Mill hostage at the end and use her as a pawn to get away. Um, so we see how ruthless she is then as a character as well. And so I think all of that is done to perfection. And, you know, that leads me to the fact that at the end of the book, Mike Chen calls out specifically that Rug, for him, is akin to the character of Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, who was originally a, a, a Bajoran terrorist who helped fight off the Cardassian yoke 
uh, and free Bajor. Um, and then, of course, has this really difficult relationship with uh, Captain Sisko and the Federation until she comes to trust them because their actions show her that she can trust them. This character, I think, is so wonderfully done because this is somebody who has done everything her country has asked for her. Everything her people have asked for her, she has done without question Mm -hmm. for the good of her people. She's done some horrible, terrible things. And yet she's done it for the Nemoidian people. And yet there's a part of her that is willing to see past her nationalism to people that engender trust, which is why she ends up trusting Obi-Wan, even though they don't have um, the strongest relationship in the sense that they kind of hide some information from one another at certain points. And she becomes this character uh, that is an arbiter of trying to tell Obi-Wan, look, you don't understand how this all works. And (laughs) I do, which is I'm the one, I'm the type of character that ends up being the arbiter of what people think of as true. Mm-hmm. by the actions that we take in the dark that create the narratives that you end up believing and and Obi-Wan doesn't realize that until it's too late um because they're the ones it's people like her that frame the context she, she's the type of character who helps frame the context for what we're going to get for the information that comes out yeah and Obi-Wan doesn't realize that you know, he believes that the truth of the facts will lead to the correct context and people understanding what happens. And he doesn't really see the fact that that actually gets manipulated so that then politicians can use that for their purposes and for their gain. Uh, and I just loved her character. I thought it was really, really interesting. And I loved her relationship with Obi-Wan mm-hmm. and how informative it is to him as a person. But just how much they learn to trust one another, I think, is an indication of the the war could have gone completely differently if more people had been like Rug and, and Obi-Wan together, working together to try and solve these problems. Yep, I, I agree. I, I agree. And they, it's... You know, they have to learn to trust each other. They have to learn to, she has to learn how to deal with her, her friend who's a traitor, you know, uh, and uh, it's, it creates this great dynamic where, you know, she's not sharing information with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's not sharing. Well, she's kind of saying she has information, but not sharing right. the details. Obi-Wan's doing an investigation. It's starting to look bad. So he doesn't share it, worried that right. it might get get the wrong narrative out and in the process he actually you know for a, a brief period at least you know gets her, makes her her start to doubt him and wonder mm-hmm. is he telling the truth um so yeah it's so interesting yeah i just uh i think it's it's really well done i think the thing that i love most about it is is how nuanced it is it it's not it's not a uh, an easy relationship and it's not an easy book for what it's talking about and how difficult all of these issues are. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, when you compound that 
with the fog of war and the underhanded nature of everybody on each side working towards what they want instead of what's best i mean it's it's phenomenal and and i think that's the thing that i'm i'm most struck by and we haven't actually just talked about obi-wan himself mm-hmm. but one of the things that i thought was really really interesting um for uh, what we get in the story is there's a part where Rune thinks to herself, Obi-Wan is too good for a galaxy at war. Mm-hmm. And it was a clear indication that she understands that this is a man who doesn't have uh, a untruthful bone in his body. And it is that it is that belief in the truth. It is that belief in the good of people to which um, makes Obi-Wan somebody who just doesn't quite get um, how dirty the galaxy is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes um, puts him at a disadvantage. And that disadvantage is obviously, uh, we see that with, of course, his relationship with somebody like Satine um, and, and not understanding what she's talking about when it comes to this idea of being neutral, the idea of the Jedi being used um, and not see, being able to see that uh, in the way that he should be able to see that. All of these things, we see this character who is just, who is ill-equipped in some ways to deal with the treachery of the galaxy at this time period and because he in some ways like Anakin believes in the good of things more than he ought in this and he has a little bit less of the Qui-Gon in him that he needs which is the Mm -hmm. questioning and so I really felt like Mike Chen did a great job of utilizing the character of Obi-Wan to his fullest extent showing his greatness and, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan of Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, so it is difficult to say anything bad about him. But this also shows us that Obi-Wan Kenobi is not a perfect character. No, he's not. As I love him, too. He's one of my favorites. I can't wait. Kenobi's in, you know, yeah. a week and a half at this point. <laughs> like, ah, I can't wait. But, yeah, it's he, he's he's flawed. Like any good character, right? He, he's, he has his flaws, his weaknesses, and... You know, he uh, he believes too much in the good of the galaxy. And I, and I think, yeah, he as a Jedi Knight, he had to deal with, you know, uh, more unscrupulous characters, uh, you know, in but prior to the Clone Wars. But I think the Clone Wars is when it really, you know, hit the forefront and he starts to have to almost learn his lesson that people are, he can't rely on, can't always trust them as much as he would he would like there there are there are really bad people out there trying to do evil things and manipulate Mm -hmm. well that's something that we are going to see as we move further into the series we we actually will see obi-wan begin to embrace more of the gray of the galaxy Mm -hmm. uh and the actions that he's going to take specifically when you think of um his uh actions in uh becoming a bounty hunter undercover 
uh, those type of things. Those are all things that I don't think I don't think Obi Wan would have done before, uh, and yet he begins to play a more a little bit more in the gray of things, uh, realizing that um, there are places and ways in which sometimes maybe a Jedi needs to get their hands dirty, um, and um, it kind of, in some ways, and I hate to say this, but I, I think in the end what will happen is, is it's going to kind of sully his character a little bit. Um, and I'm really interested because I do think that this book kind of sets up perfectly the Kenobi series mm-hmm. by showing us the path that this character who was too good for a galaxy at war is going to deal with the loss and who he's going to then choose to be in light of all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what the show is going to be about, which is his choice of what to do after everything is gone. Does he still find that good heart in him mm-hmm. and and choose to believe in the good? Or does he let it all go and become a hermit and barely do his job protecting Luke and just not care. Like, um, I, I think those are some big questions and I think this book kind of sets the helps sets the stage for that really well. I agree. I agree. And I, I hope we get, it sets the stage perfectly for Kenobi and I am so excited about that, that series. Um, but I do hope, I I do hope we get another, another Anakin and Obi-Wan book from from Mike Chen. I mean, I'm sure, Based on how he wrote all these characters, I'm sure he could do any of the characters in Star Wars mm-hmm. wonderfully. But I would love to see another book, maybe uh, a little bit later in the in the Clone Wars or or whatnot. It's this was he did such a phenomenal job on this. Yeah, um, I think this is. Uh, so I wanted to ask you then, William, uh, what would what were your kind of final thoughts on the book, and and then what what would you rate this? Do you think? Ooh. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I go, let's say, I think the, the book was, it was not while I, I was, I was surprised, I guess, going into it. Um, I, like I said earlier in the, in the, in the episode, I was expecting, really expecting a, you know, Anakin, Obi-Wan the whole time together. And we got with something a lot more like Attack of the Clones where they're separated for a large amount of time but it actually allowed us to get into their character a lot more into their thought process, challenge them in different ways. You know, they were still communicating as much as they could, um, but they were forced to kind of do things on their own and learn how to adjust to the new phase of their life that they're in. And I, I absolutely loved that. Um, I think, um, you know, I, 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 I just kept wanting to read the book and I was just so engrossed in it. Uh, and I, and I loved how they introduced Asajj. I loved how they uh, just uh, answered all of these questions we've had about different characters, motivations, mm-hmm. why are Anakin and Padme together, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I think it was a phenomenal book. One of the better, one of the best Star Wars books I've read. Um, yes. I, I love the Thrawn books as of late, um, but like this and the Thrawn books are some of my, my favorite uh, yeah. uh books in in recent memory mm-hmm. and uh yeah i highly recommend it i think I, i'd probably give it like a 
four, 4.75 stars out of five. I can't go and give it a perfect score, but my goodness, it is, mm-hmm. it is, it is way up there. I, I loved it. And I hope we get another book from Mike Chen, whether it's with Anakin Obi-Wan or, or other characters. Cause he just, he knocked it out of the park. I would say that, and I, I think I said this in my written review, which this book is every single thing that a Star Wars book should be. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I would give this five out of five hidden lightsabers because <laughs> it's just, this is what you come to a Star Wars book for. It is. Um, and this is this is what you come to this type of um, fiction for. When you are playing in a universe like Star Wars, you want to give people a better understanding of the characters that they all love uh, by helping us to see them in in a new light. And at the same time, you uh, also want new stories with them. And I think this is exactly what fans have been wanting for a long time and everything that a lot of the most recent books hasn't been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I couldn't recommend this book more, and I hope everybody will check it out because if you want more books like this, you got to buy the books like this that come out. Otherwise, yes. they don't do them. Right. And so hopefully that is what we'll get um, more and more of. So, you know, well done, Mike Chen. Thank you for an incredible book here. And we both hope that you get more. Uh, we oh, want yeah. More of your Anakin and <laughs> Obi-Wan stories. So, yeah. But at this point, I'll, I'll take anything in the Star Wars universe that he writes. I, uh, he's he's instantly jumped up to be, I think, one of my favorite Star Wars authors. Mm-hmm. Um, Wouldn't it be great so. to see him do a a story? in a series of books with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon oh, with that's, Obi-Wan. Okay, that's, that is my favorite relationship. And yep. that's why I'm so excited yep. for this summer as well, because uh, I love Anakin and Obi-Wan, but for me, like I, I grew up reading the Jedi apprentice books from, yep, from Jude too. Watson. They are, those are, those are the books that I think, I think that was the first star Wars book I ever read was Jedi apprentice. And and, and so I have such uh, uh, a soft spot for that relationship and such fond memories that I would absolutely love another yeah. yep. uh, uh, book or series, you. you know, and especially from Mike Chen. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'd be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, uh, having been covering those on aggressive negotiations with John, um, what I think we found and the thing that's most interesting is that you, those books continue to be applicable um and they continue to work in a way mm-hmm. that i i think um you know they could honestly be canon um for the most part and there are parts of this story that make some of those things canon like uh yeah. the time that obi-wan and qui-gon are on a planet and they have a disagreement um and uh that you have the character of siri i think it is yep. who is the jedi yep. uh I love seeing that Anakin. reference in there. So, I, I like, like, yes, you know. <laughs> so there are things in there that they have actually made canon uh, through this book, which was phenomenal. And and I think the the what you said earlier, um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, 
Mike Chen clearly understands these characters. And part of that was the work that he must have done to have read both the uh, Jedi Apprentice series as well as the, um, what was the series with Obi-Wan and Anakin? Jedi uh, Quest. Jedi Quest. Thank you. Um, I got him right, sitting right next to my, right yeah. next to my desk. <laughs> so you could clearly tell that he's read both of those. Yes. Um, and which is fantastic because those books clearly understand the relationship between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Anakin. And that's one of the things that we didn't mention in here, but the realization that Obi-Wan comes to in the end is that what both he and Anakin have is the belief of Qui-Gon Jinn. And that's what holds them together is the faith that Qui-Gon Jinn had in both of them. Um, And that's what makes them brothers because they come from the same father. Mm-hmm. which is a really interesting thing like they're 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 brothers from another mother you know <laughs> so it's uh it really is phenomenal and i absolutely love this book so i'm so glad that we got a chance to talk about it william thanks for coming on and, and discussing it with me and if anybody would like to catch up with you uh and you know see what else you've got going on or where else they could find you where would that be yeah, uh, of course, you can always listen to me on the Ion Canon podcast over on the Star Wars Report. Uh, we review uh, all the TV shows uh, weekly as well as, you know, the books. And we're, we're actually planning our own Brotherhood review, uh, probably after Celebration, given all the, the craziness that's coming up. Um, uh, but we'll be, of course, reviewing Kenobi. We'll be covering Star Wars Celebration in two weeks. We'll be there. Uh, and, of course, I'm always on Twitter at MasterDevWit, D-E-V-W-I. Awesome. Uh, and of course, you can find me all over social media under the name Matt Rushing 2 uh, You can also find me here on the network doing so many different shows. So uh, I'm doing pretty much every single show on the network right now, except for Interface. So just look for me on all those places like the 602 Club or, uh, of course, uh, Artificial Tango, Saddle Up and all of those type of shows. Uh, you can also uh, find me on the Nerd Party Network. I have two shows. One is completed. Uh, one is called Outpost with Drea Kaufman. We talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time, which is a blast. And then you can find me on the aforementioned aggressive negotiations with john mills as we are talking about star wars each and every week and as we mentioned have been going through the jedi apprentice series uh and uh, fantastic books you can check out those episodes as well but thank you so much for joining us oh of course thank you so much for having me on it's always a pleasure talking with you and and discussing star wars especially for such a fantastic fantastic book that again, yes. I hope everyone goes out and, and buys because it <laughs> Me is <too>. excellent. <laughs> we need more of them. Yes, we do. And may the force be with you.